0: Hey! Thanks for listening to the Create Unknown. To unlock the extended, ad-free, full episode, sign up at Patreon.com/slash/TheCreateUnknown. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Go to AudibleTrial.com/slash/TheCreateUnknown to get a free audiobook and stay tuned for my book recommendation. That's AudibleTrial.com/slash/TheCreateUnknown. Now on to the show. Cool. All right. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me as always is Matthew Tabor. And with me here on the TV wall is... William Osman. <laughs> is William Osman? Yeah. How did you know? How did you know who you were? That's amazing. Um,
1: it's, yeah, a lot of practice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, William, I'm so excited to have you on the show. You have been a highly requested guest, by the way. Yes.
2: You're extremely popular. Like, we have a problem because you're in the Discord server. Because at least once a day, somebody wants to tag you. And we have, oh, we have like right. a self-appointed cop in, in uh, Kevlas who reminds people not to tag the rich and famous. So-
1: <laughs> yeah, the tags, the tags are bad. Yeah. Like I, I've muted everything because it's like, <laughs> I, I still only know how discord works to like a 50% mm-hmm. level. And so it's really difficult to tell like when it's dinging off, like I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Is like, this. Is this a tag? Is this, you know, a new, I don't know. So I've sort of just given up and muted everything. But
2: <laughs> people bring you up so often and they could be talking about virtually any subject. And somebody will be like, William Osman should drop that and see if it breaks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's totally true. And I'm I That's one a, of the, the things that I love about YouTube, maybe the thing I love the most is just kind of like the emergent creativity and weirdness that never would have existed without YouTube. And you are a shining example of that with your content, you. which I would love to know how you classify it. I was thinking of it as engineering comedy. I don't know if <laughs> it, does that work.
1: Yeah. I think like infotainment, I, you know what we learned or what I've learned is that people don't like education. They don't like to feel like they're being educated and so you have to entertain them and, and you, it's difficult to do both. And so that's why I sort of, I don't know, it's like a middle ground, right? Half education, half entertainment, mostly entertainment. You try to like, you know, education. I don't know. You don't get smart, I don't think, but maybe you get inspired to, you know, learn.
2: We were just talking about how important uh, storytelling is. And in a way, that, that's really kind of what you're doing is you're embedding uh, you're embedding some educational concept that nobody wants to hear about on their own or on its own, and you're embedding that into right. something awesome that people do want to follow along. Like in in a weird way, it's it's that storytelling element uh, that combines the two things.
1: Yeah, that's the story is like really important. You got to make people feel like you're going on kind of a journey to accomplish a task because, like, very rarely do people accomplish or very rarely do people get satisfaction out of just like a completed task. And to do that, it either has to be like a spectacle where you've made some really cool thing. But the problem is making really cool things can be exhausting and you don't always make a really cool thing. And a lot of times it can just not work. And then you have not a very cool thing. And so if you can tell a good story about something that's easier to accomplish, you can make it even more entertaining. If not, you know, maybe just as entertaining, if not more entertaining. Um, and Does that make sense? It's like, you either can try really hard to make a really cool thing that people just naturally want to see, or you can tell a really good story about something that's a little bit easier to manage. We're really going down that route of like, how can we find something that's easier to accomplish, but also is a good story
2: that people want to watch. So do you make, like, where do you start on a video idea? Like, here's my question. I'm going to be highly specific about this. Do you start thinking- I want to uh, do something with electricity or do you start at the story side? Like, I want to shock my roommate
1: to death. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think we start or like the, the foundation of everything. They're like, there's some form of purpose and the purpose should be why I want to build the thing. But sometimes the purpose is just like, this is something I think is cool and we'll come up with a purpose. Like, what is the motivation? Because if you have a strong motivation, everything just naturally happens nobody questions that nobody it's just like oh i get it he's trying to do this thing he's trying to accomplish this task or solve this problem and so a lot of times it'll stem from a problem that i have or like will make up a problem that i think is interesting and a lot of the time it will kind of i don't know if a project is something i want to do but i know people won't click on it i won't do it so it has to like fill a handful of requirements of being something that can be a good story. And being a good story usually includes that problem statement. What's the problem? And then how clickable is it? If everything lines up where it's like, okay, there's a good motivation. It feels like it can be a good story. It's not too difficult to accomplish. And I think it's a clickable topic. I mean, that's, that's sort of like the, the perfect combination of everything.
0: What's the, the longest so far that you've spent on one video? Um,
1: oof, like that I finished or that I haven't finished because there's (laughs)
0: definitely- How about both? I don't know.
1: (laughs) So I started working on something that was a a machine to kill flies. Uh, And that was, I think a year ago, almost a, a little under a year ago, I started working on that. And it's a lot of programming and it's just like something that consumed too much time. And then it started getting into winter, which it's like, now we're getting into fall again. And so I like paused, I delayed, and decided to wait until summer, which is where like Google Trends shows like the highest search for, for uh, how to kill flies or just flies in general. And um, that one's been postponed. Who knows now? It'll probably go to next year. I don't know.
0: It's just a lot. What are some of the elements but, of that? Like, is there a laser so that, the, that, that, that detects Yeah, them? so there's a laser. Okay.
1: Right. So like if you've ever, if you've ever like chased a fly, like trying to kill a fly, because like flies are, you know, They're not the the worst thing environmentally like i don't really you know i don't know anything about this stuff but like flies suck right and people try to kill (laughs) they fly in your face you know they get into things and make your house gross and like they're not great inside like this you know the goal is not to kill all the flies it's just to get rid of a pest inside of your house and and also science like it's mostly for for science for fun but that's the problem statement it's like you know there's a fly infestation in my house how do i get rid of these flies I can't catch them. They're too damn fast. So I built a machine to do it instead. And, and that consists of, uh, it's kind of inspired by the mos- like mosquito killing machine that cropped up like 10 years ago. I don't know if you guys yeah, remember, yeah, that, but totally it,
0: remember that. Yeah, I totally remember that. That was specifically to deal with malaria, wasn't it?
1: Right, yeah. exactly. I mean, well, I think mosquitoes in general, they cause a lot of problems. Yeah. And so something to kill them, to keep them out of places where they shouldn't be, without having to use, like, netting or, like, really, uh, you know, stuff that interferes with your kind of standard of
0: living. Chemicals, DDT, isn't that the one? Yeah, DDT. Yeah, DDT, DDT is old. That's old. There was some yeah. video about how they get rid of mosquitoes in Disney World. That was really good. Yeah. I'm sorry. Now I'm just thinking about mosquitoes.
1: <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. And the same, the same solution is to use, like, a high-speed laser, like a, a Galvo, which is, like... Um, a magnetic coil or a coil of wire that you push the current through and then that rotates this little thing. You know, you ever like see like the old like current meters on like a, a dashboard where they kind of like twitch and move around like, <laughs> like a stair or something? Um, so it's it's similar to that, it's uh, identical to that. And so you can tell the galvos, an X and Y galvo to like position to this angle because you with a camera detected a fly over here, it'll point the laser in that direction and then zap them.
0: How strong of a laser do you need to? murder a fly
1: I I googled it so <laughs> I, it's amazing what you can find on YouTube so I, I was because I was curious to the same thing I'm like I don't you know do I just buy the biggest one I can get or do I go on Google and search for like killing bugs with lasers? so I found some YouTube videos it's a little bit like why did you film this and post it but you know it was good research and uh, I think like a couple hundred watts is probably funny so I got like a
2: 500 milliwatt laser diode so what happens if it misses I mean it, I'm, I'm not Burns the wall behind
0: it. <laughs> it just burns the wall.
2: This like if we're
1: if you want me to clarify, this is not safe. <laughs> okay. In fact, I would say it's dangerous.
0: <laughs> would would you wear like any sort of like uh, you know, reflective hazmat suit or something? Uh,
1: just just like like I wear. I bought a bunch of laser goggles. Okay. Yeah, it reflect like it'll burn you but it's like you just got to watch out for your eyes.
0: You just searing your forehead is <laughs> fine, but Yeah,
1: 5 500 milliwatts is like a lot, but it's not like a lot.
0: <laughs> so it's
2: not going to burn a hole through your body.
1: No, it's not going to burn a hole through. You. It's just going to like it's going to hurt and maybe maybe a second degree burn. <laughs> I Okay. <laughs> I burned myself I burned myself once with my big laser that I don't have anymore cuz it burned, but uh, oh. kind of full circle, but uh, that was 80 watts. So quite a bit stronger. Yeah, it's like 5,000 times brighter than daylight.
0: Wow, and, and it burned you how? Because you just wanted to test what it would do to your uh, arm? Or like, what was the
1: e- scenario? No, I, I, it was a mistake. I actually have a lot of stuff. I don't know if I, well, anyways. Uh,
0: <laughs> what was that?
1: <laughs> lasers, are, lasers are scary. Uh-huh. Uh, because it's a lot of energy in a really small space and it kind of will just go. And uh so I burned my finger because I was adjusting the mirrors on my laser cutter because the laser tube sat in the back and so you have to bounce the light to the cutting head and you have to adjust the mirrors to make it so that it goes like everything super parallel. And so I would I was adjusting and then I would test fire the laser because I put a little piece of tape over and it would leave like a little brown mark and I knew where it was hitting. That's how you tune it. And so I was like adjusting the mirrors and then my like I would relax you know like pull my hand away and then test fire and then do it over and over and over again until I could kind of guide the beam where I wanted it to be. And my like at one point when I was doing it over and over again, I sort of like didn't pull my hand out into a little test fire. And it immediately left like a uh a mark on my thumb about the size of I don't know, maybe like three millimeters, four millimeters, completely black.
2: Oh, Whoa. So you got charred. You got like fine-tuned charred. Yeah,
1: it was it was a surface level third-degree burn. So it didn't burn like deep into it because I could I basically just wiped it off, but it basically Completely charred a very, very small layer of skin. Are, are you the most <laughs> dangerous YouTuber? You think that's a fair? Uh, no, I think that's, that's Colin Furs. <laughs> or StyroPyro. StyroPyro is pretty bad. <laughs> well, like Colin Furs does obviously dangerous things, StyroPyro does like. Like all of a sudden he just like collapses kind of dangerous things.
0: <laughs> I'm not familiar with, with him. What, what is an example? He of- does like laser stuff. Okay.
1: He does, uh, he's got a video that's like the world's most powerful laser. He's just like this insane guy. in I think like Illinois or somewhere in the Midwest.
0: What, what's amazing to me is that we were just recently talking about parkour channels mm. being demonetized yeah. because they're too dangerous. Really? really? Yeah.
2: Don't try this at home. You're you, you're encouraging kids to try to jump over picnic tables, and they're going to get hurt. And even with the disclaimers and everything, these channels are getting demonetized.
0: Yeah. So do you? you so you must have some worry that you know, burning your finger off with a a laser or <laughs> whatever. Or, or shocking Michael Reeves <laughs> with by yeah. electrifying the carpet I mean you literally lost a sponsorship on that video, right? What happened with that?
1: Yeah, that was a different story that okay. was they, because we went to the store to buy this uh, the electric fence yeah. it was the, the sponsorship was for like an online shopping. They didn't like the fact that I went to a store even though you have no idea where we went and it was like super inconvenient because I had to go to five different stores because that's like actually what happened. Like, I just was going to different stores trying to find one of these. And they were like, oh, you went shopping in a different store. Like, you, that's not okay. You have to cut that out. And I like I couldn't because, like, some of the funniest parts of the video, like, centered around going to the store. So they, they didn't care about the shock. And at the same time, like, you really have bought this, like, taser from, I don't know.
2: You can go to, like, Tractor Supply and get an electric fencer.
1: That's that's basically what I did. Yeah. It was like a farm. Yeah,
2: I mean, like. We were we were actually talking about getting shocked through electric fencers in the Discord the other day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that hurts so bad. I mean, there also was no like there's no resistance. I mean there is resistance, but normally you have that connected to like a long strand. <laughs> yeah. It must have been. And you get shocked somewhere down the line. It hurts so bad. I I kind of a no no <laughs> because like I think what would also happen is it would be somewhere down the line and it probably is like leaking places, so you don't have as much current sure. going through your voltage probably drops or you know, it's combination of everything uh and you also have it going through like a larger portion of your body like it would go from your torso or your arm down through your feet into the ground and so you've got like this larger area that the you know current has to travel through which means more resistance which means it's not going to hurt as much uh and i just stuck it like from this worst case scenario of like just right across the two things that actually hurt like i think i like the skin was a little bit burnt (laughs) (laughs) did it make you feel
2: tired after that happened were you fatigued
1: I was very awake. Like, I, okay. I very much was, you know, If like that was a mistake.
2: The neighbors had cows and horses you know, a long time ago, and, and I was climbing under the fence, and I had binoculars around my neck and flipped them to the back so they wouldn't get in the mud, and the binoculars caught on the fence and, you know, sent the bolts mm-hmm. through and yeah. hung there, you know, and so I'm like you know yeah it comes in like it comes in like pulses yeah. it's not continuous i don't think a lot of people know that that it's not continuous the way like sticking uh-huh. a fork in an outlet is going to be continuous um, right it's pulsing through every few seconds um but yeah after i felt like i was so tired like i just chugged a bottle of nyquil it just sapped all of my energy i'm like i'm just like, I gotta sleep. That's
1: crazy. Like, forever sleep. Kind of
0: thing. <laughs> Almost. <laughs>
1: I, did, I did shock myself really badly once as a kid, and I kind of felt like that. Because I uh, it was like a, a neon sign transformer I was playing with. As you do. And I would hope. Hold- <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, that's thyroid. If you want to see crazy stuff, go look at styrofoam.
0: So, we talked about lasers earlier. And yeah. that's because you started your channel with cutting things with lasers, right? And Yeah, It seemed like really quickly, and I'd love to hear how you came to this conclusion or if it it was just like the natural progression for you, but it seemed like you started off laser cutting kind of normal things. Like these are sort of like normal, normal normal-ish videos that you would think to do with a laser cutter. You're like, hi, I'm William. I have a laser cutter. I'm going to laser cut my skateboard or my pumpkin. But then something happened. (laughs) Something happened, and I want to get this title right, because it it deserves to be...
1: Devolution.
0: The the evolution came to me with laser-cut Vin Diesel ham and cheese sandwich. Yeah, yeah. For those unfamiliar with what this is, please first describe it, and then also, like, what?
1: (laughs) So, uh, it's a statue made of ham and cheese. Uh, Of Vin Diesel, that was
0: (laughs) (laughs) no, that's just restating the title in different word order.
1: (laughs) Okay, so we took ham and we took cheese and we cut it with a laser cutter and made a statue of Vin Diesel. It
0: really is Um, self explanatory, isn't it? But why? And 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 because that was the first video where I feel like you were coming into your own, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so we. I mean, I can give you some, some backstory. story. Uh, the, the channel originally was inspired by the likes of um, applied science, like Ben Krasnow, uh, a guy on, on BattleBots who had a blog named Charles Guan, who's uh, Overhaul is his robot, um, and just sort of consuming content that other people were making from like you know like a blog like Charles or like video science like applied science and i wanted to make something that was more serious to promote myself to employers like here's my portfolio i have a you know blog a website i can document things i can take pictures like i can make stuff look good and here's the stuff i've made and so the videos came after the blog the blog was just you know myname.com and then I transitioned into making some sort of like video segments of what I was doing to help sort of showcase the projects. And I don't know, I just like be more professional, I guess. Uh, but I had been doing YouTube for since high school. I think that may have been five, six years after graduating high school. And I had a, a channel where we made sort of more comedy sketches and just like really stupid videos with the like, goal of being entertaining and, and funny. So... The science-y stuff started as like more professional and more serious. And it slowly transitioned into some of the more silly, fun chaos that we had done earlier in our like YouTube, unsuccessful YouTube careers. So, I don't know. I mean, does that sort of make any sense? Is it like it started off as being more professional because it was literally for the purpose of getting a job. And then it, you know, downgraded, it devolved into more silly science. Of like, what's entertaining? Like, what's insane? What's something that no one's ever seen before? And that was a suggestion. Like, somebody suggested that. And I'm like, this is insane idea. We should do it. We're blaming them. Like nobody can get mad at us for this dumb idea or wasting food because this person right here told us to do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is a a very, uh, that's a, that's a legal defense that will hold up in court. (laughs) This guy told me to to in the comments of YouTube. So (laughs) like, I am innocent judge. (laughs) Correct. But I, I love how you married the series. You, you, You were doing something really serious and then you were doing something really silly. And then You combine those two things into something that was half really serious and half really silly. And guess what? That was the magic formula. And how often is that the case?
1: It's, I don't know. I mean, anytime you take someone who's good at something and, and show them doing it in a fun, silly, entertaining way, like, I think people really enjoy that. I mean,
2: you talk about how often is that the case? We've talked about what you did. You did goofy comedy videos, animations, things like that for a long time. Uh, when you you know Vsauce started with you know science news, things like that, you evolved to a point where uh, you pull Yoda out in a video and he's spazzing out and going crazy and whatever. I, you know, it's it's fun and, and goofy for you know, fifteen seconds or something. But um, you don't have science lectures. You've taken the hard science and then mixed it with entertainment. And I wonder how many people have combined, two things on YouTube without even realizing that they finally put two things together. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of people, it's sort of the realization, like they do a thing that catches attention and then they sort of iterate until they get to a point where they're doing something well and in an entertaining fashion.
2: Did any of that work with, with employers and all of that? How did this work professionally since that was the original intention?
1: Um, I, I was working at the time like early on, part-time with a company that I had been working with before. And so it's a, it was a very laid back company too, where everyone sort of appreciated the kind of stuff I was doing. So there was, there were no problems there. I could see some employers potentially like that was a turnoff for them is, you know, the YouTube stuff and just sort of the silliness of it would be a turnoff. But I think that's also the kind of employer that you probably wouldn't want to work. With if, you know.
2: I have a feeling that the guy who's making these videos would want to be in a place where they would respect those videos. Right. And if it was really serious, you'd want that as well. Right. You know, and to value that content. And it's it's like anyone who's
1: you know like like serious or sort of knows their their salt will realize like, oh cool, like you're you're creative, you're making a thing, you've attracted an audience. Like that's something that's something special. Like not a lot of people can do that. And it's like, I know because I've I made videos, I made content, kind of, and nobody watched. Like <laughs> it's really difficult to get people to watch your stuff. And if somebody is like can't recognize that or can't see that, then it's like, you know, you, you probably don't want to work for them anyways. And so it, it never really was a problem. Um, I, I kind of, I hate dressing up too. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like a place that requires you to dress really fancy, unless you're like customer facing or something. Like you probably don't want to work there, right? Like indicates like other cultural aspects of that job where it's like, if you have to show up in a suit and a tie every day, but you just sit in a cubicle, it's like, like, wait a minute. Like that's kind of a red flag to me. It's like, there's, it's just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just lazy,
0: but I don't think so. I think that we find that a lot with the, with the YouTubers that we've talked to. Uh, I mean, that was certainly the case for me. I had one, one job that I was ostensibly in a cubicle for. And by lunch on day one, I I wanted to quit by lunch on day one. I was done. I was like three, three, three hours into my new career. And I was like, "I, I have to leave immediately. Uh, so I,
1: like I, can't, yeah. I made it
0: the rest of the week. I made it till Friday before I mutually parted ways. Get your two week notice with my. <laughs> it was funny because I went to like essentially quit, and and my boss was essentially like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not working out for either of us. Trust me." Uh, <laughs> the old quit fire, huh? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I had that happen once. I gave my two weeks notice, and they fired me a week later.
0: What? Oh my! That doesn't even make and sense. And It wasn't.
1: No, they were, it was, they were just, I'd been there for like a couple of years too. That was very frustrating because that was me sort of like doing what's decent. And I was still working. Like I was still doing an actual job, but they were just being like spiteful.
0: Well, <laughs> well, you don't have to deal with that anymore when you're uh, you no. know, dropping eggs off of things. and.
1: <laughs> right. I got, I have different problems now. Like where... We have enough eggs for this video.
0: <laughs> when did that actually start for you?
1: I have a a, a whiteboard somewhere. I think it's upstairs. The, it's titled at the top of the whiteboard. It says, low effort videos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and was Egg Drop at the top of the list?
1: Egg Drop was at the top of the list. Because we, you know, like, it's a lot easier to watch a video than it is to make a video.
0: As I think you probably know. Yes.
1: Uh, a lot of people, I think probably don't know that or have heard it but don't understand it like what that actually means and so trying to make more content if you have like a certain caliber of content becomes just impossible and then what I realized was happening was you know like I'm supposed to be having fun doing this but it came to a point where it was more about like oh god I have to edit this oh god I have to do this I have to do this I have to do this and that's like that's not a good place to be where the video's being entertaining or rely on you having fun but you're trying to do too much and so you're no longer having fun and so what would happen is I would just start missing I would like weeks you know wouldn't post or I just would get demotivated to to work on stuff and um, or just sort of stuck at like a point of the video making process that is less fun than the other parts and so I'd been thinking for a while like what can I do to try to help buffer the normal video schedule like if that way I can spend two weeks working on something, and have like a video that takes a couple of days to finish or like a day and a day to film and edit that can sort of fill the gap that is you know still good but doesn't you know like burden me or make me you know like it keeps me from burning out basically and that was sort of the first in, in some of those experiments of like what could be like a lower effort video to help buffer some of the, the bigger videos out.
0: What I love about the egg drop is, so, so not only does it accomplish that, you know, it, it allows you to spend more time on other videos while also, you know, freeing you up to have an upload in the meantime. It also is a great way to naturally involve a collaboration, which I find right. really, really, really hard to do.
1: Collaborations suck. <laughs> Collaborations are bad. They always perform bad. And that surprised me early on because I, I thought, you know, you always see people collaborating. Oh yeah, you know, the audience is crossover and, you know, subscribers go from one to the other. And we realized really quickly that a lot of the collaborations we did translated to almost nothing, like barely any crossover. And so the, especially with between engineering channels, too so if you take one science channel and mix them with another science channel, what you realize is it's, it's almost impossible to make two unique videos. And that just ends up making like, uh, like you, you sort of saturate like a little micro saturation of like, oh, the same thing twice. Otherwise, you have to spend like three, four days working on two different projects, you know, and, and it's not like you can just spend six hours with somebody and get a video out of it. And that's what a lot of collaborations turned into that I had seen on YouTube prior was like, oh, here's uh, this person and this person. We're in the same room together. Let's spend three hours on your video and three hours on my video. And you just ended up with two crappy videos. And if you the people, you wouldn't watch either of the videos. And so egg drop has sort of like facilitated this insane like collaboration experience for me because it's so different than what we've like done before uh, because you can have like a really organic fun video <laughs> that doesn't like i don't know it just you don't have to do anything intensive you just can like it's it just it works really well it's really easy to film it's really easy to edit like and and they're performing insanely well which boggles my mind um I don't know. I'm like it kind of makes me want to avoid more traditional collaborations and kind of just limit it to just the egg drops.
2: We in the very first episode that we launched, it was with yeah. uh, Destin Sandlin, Smarter Every Day. We talked about uh, we talked about the Science Olympiad, uh, and he participated in that years ago. Um, I did, and I I was so disappointed because they did the egg drop in New York State for years and years it was a staple and like it, all the science classes did it for fun. And uh, they also had you know, that, that competition. And uh, the moment I got to be able to finally participate, the state dumped the event.
0: Why did they get rid of it?
2: They, they drop the uh, ones that have been around for a while, especially if they can't yeah, I say
1: there's something here. They dropped the egg drop.
2: Yeah. They, they couldn't, um, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: There, there wasn't like some coalition of chicken farmers that, that, that they angered that no longer were supplying the eggs. It was pre-internet. How could they organize? <laughs> I don't know. Just hey, going up with...
1: Why the, chicken, the chicken farmers are like notorious for not being nice to the chickens. Like they should just care about more money selling more eggs. They don't care what happens. We should so. drop the egg farmers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we always joke about like, what if we just put the egg in your mouth and jump off,
0: off the... <laughs> That'll be the final episode. (laughs) Yeah, the
1: final episode.
0: (laughs) That's terrible.
1: I have a feeling it would still break.
0: (laughs) Uh, You or the egg or both? everything the The whole thing the whole thing yeah bones (laughs) shells yeah as
1: your jaw is like getting ripped off by the concrete just gonna shear right through all the
2: yolks are gonna come out (laughs) yeah (laughs) so uh, you know the point of of me saying that was that i get to see these these crazy egg drop videos and it's like reliving like like living the the childhood i never got to have (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly exactly (laughs) You know that millipede's only have like 750 legs? Milla. 1000. It's like the person who named the millipede was just was just guessing. They were like, "Hey, hey Frank, look at this thing. Look at how many legs it has. How many how many think how many think it has?" Oh, it's got to be like a like a 1000. Are you sure cuz we're going to name it that, like a 1000 legs like milliped, like millipede. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I counted. I, I promise. It's it's like a thousand legs. Freakonomics is a book that you can listen to. You know, Matt, uh, he mentioned it uh, a few podcasts ago, several podcasts ago, but it's, it's a great book because it, it's really an approachable way of getting into economics and kind of how to see the world differently. I mean, if you like Vsauce 2, you would definitely like freakonomics, I think. And you can listen to it by going to audibletrial.com/slash the create unknown. You'll you'll help support this podcast and you'll also help support your brain and kind of seeing the world through interesting data. Do you like data? I I like data, not just the the guy from the the kid from the Goonies, (laughs) although I love data from the Goonies, but data as like a way of measuring things is great. And if you like that, you want to go to audibletrial.com slash the create unknown, get freakonomics. Listen to it. You'll learn a thing or two or a thousand. One of the things, uh, William, about your videos that I have to ask you is to do with the McDonald's ice cream. (laughs) Yeah. Why do you keep going to McDonald's to get ice cream? Where did that come from? Is it just a like a social experiment to see why they're? Yeah, I kind of just want to see. It's
1: it's like it's sort of a meme, but at the same time, like it's not a meme because half of the time the
2: machines aren't working.
0: (laughs) <laughs> what
2: do you think the actual percentage is now that you've collected a fair amount of data here? Um, yeah, like, how many
0: times have you gone?
2: Like, like twenty five percent of the time, maybe.
0: Okay.
1: I just went to one in Big Bear, and I was like, "How often does your ice cream machine break?" And the guy's like, "It's never broke." Do You believe it? Yeah, I believe it. I mean, I you know, I, why would he lie to me?
0: Well, why does he want to talk about his broken ass machine? Maybe they have some like super maintenance ice cream man that works in Big Bear.
1: I I think I know. I think I know what the problem is. I thought. So I have this plan to like I don't know if I'm ever going to do this. I also don't want to like spoil it, but I thought about getting a job at McDonald's <laughs> to figure out why the ice cream machine is broken because when I at them, I messaged them and they messaged me back and they said they said something along the lines of it's like that's for crew members only. And so the first thing in my head is like a narrator saying, "So, I knew like they told me what I had to do. Become a crew member." <laughs> <And then> I, <laughs> like the path was clear. Uh, and, and you know, try to like have a first hand experience because I have a hypothesis and that is uh, the employees are lazy and they don't initiate the maintenance cycle for the machine. So I downloaded the manual for the ice cream machine and <laughs> you it's supposed to like self-sterilize once every 14 days or something or over every, I don't really know, but if it's gone over a certain time, it'll do like a lockout and it won't let you use the machine until it has been cleaned.
0: Oh, to prevent people from getting sick.
2: Yes. So you think because that I, they've waited so long that it locks up and they just don't bother cleaning? They're they're supposed to do it at night.
0: But it's self-cleaning, so it's just like flipping a switch? It's self-sterilizing, but I think they still have to
1: clean it. And so I don't... This, this is why I have to become a crew member is to get the full story.
0: There's got to be somebody listening that has the full story, right? Well, yeah, but it's not... You no, know, I gotta get a job then. It, it
1: I seems
2: like you would be able to get a used one, so you could take this thing yeah. open,
1: right? Yeah, but then it's like I have to spend like a grand. Is that how much you think it would be? Yeah, I looked on Craigslist <laughs> and eBay.
0: <laughs> just make and it a Patreon thought, goal.
1: We we thought about leaving <laughs> it like we once we buy it, we just set it up in the house.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, an ice cream machine's an ice cream machine.
1: <laughs> right, but then it's like, you know, I mean, you can turn it on and you have a party or something, but other than that, I and mean, then it also needed like 220, 240, or whatever the hell. Okay. Of, I don't know why like 220, 240, like it's, why is there, which one is it? Wait, I don't know, I think, just
0: get, get rid of your washing machine and replace it with the ice cream machine. Well, I think it would be 220, yeah. wouldn't it be? What is it? 220? Well, I
2: think they call it different things, but it's actually the same thing. They probably do that so it's compatible globally, right? And then can... Down. Yeah, I think oh. there's like a
1: range to like like it can be between different things like 110. You also hear is like 120. But uh, yeah, so we would have to like run an extension cord from the garage, which we could totally do because if you're not going to use it all the time, you could definitely run an extension cord.
0: Well, I for one vote that this happened. Yeah, no, this, this has to happen. 100% vote that yeah. this happened. I mean, either get the job at McDonald's, which I fully I, endorse. I was looking,
1: let's see. this. I wonder where...
0: Eat McDonald's Maps. and
1: McDonald's. I really want to do that. I just think that'd be fun because everyone loves to smack talk, you know, getting a job at fast food. Like, you know, like you're a loser if you work at McDonald's. But you know what? I bet you it actually sucks. I bet you it's a hard job.
2: You know, I've known a couple people who work there. Uh, one guy is doing quite well on uh, maintenance, uh, on some pretty heavy stuff in the Marines. Another one is. He was, he was in the engineering school uh, at, at Boston U and uh, work, has worked at Intel for, like, 15 years. Uh, he's killing it. Um, yeah. The other girl was uh, in Israel, and she went on to study uh, some science. thing. So, like, there's a pipeline between technical stuff, uh, engineering, all of that. There's a McDonald's to, like,
0: STEM pipeline that nobody knows. Like I believe secret. it. Yeah, I mean, a job's yeah. a job. I mean, I, I was a dishwasher. I like that job. You Just wash dishes all day. Make sure that it's a I think it's, it's, <laughs> that's a clean. Yeah, that's it's cool. just like an
1: introductory job. Like it's a really easy or, or, you know, I mean, relatively easy job to get without any experience. I
2: think a lot of kids dream of things like I want to be a spy, like James Bond level. You know, that's a different generation, but they want to work their way into some like nuclear secrets level thing. And we're watching you in real time here, googling so that you can sneak your way into mm-hmm. McDonald's. Yeah. Do you think they would figure it out? You awesome. say, like,
1: I'm a little worried. They probably don't do any background research, though. Like, I doubt they even Google you. I'll probably be fine. My, if it just use your there, middle name. Yeah. What if somebody there like recognizes you during the like the process? So they're not going to be suspicious. Are you open to shaving? Uh, yeah, I could do that. I thought about shaving the top of my head off too. That would be pretty. Fun like a, like a disguise. So just like a Friar Tut kind of
0: like, a- <laughs> like George Costanza. <laughs> George Costanza. <laughs> yeah. I need it,
1: but I needed like a secret identity. I just completely like demolished my hair.
0: What was George Costanza's Monica fake art Vandalay? Remember yeah. was it, he had his own disguise name. I think it was Art Vandalay. He was an architect. Um, that's just <laughs> Seinfeld stuff. It's- but w- when you're talking about undercover stuff, I was wondering how you capture that footage Because I'm watching your Um, stuff and you have this camera that's pointed up at you as if it's like in a belt or something. Like, What is that camera? Is it GoPro? Oh,
1: on right now?
0: No, 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 no. For instance, when you were purchasing the uh, electric fence or whatever. Oh,
1: that's my phone. So I have the the Samsung uh, S10e. I got the the smallest one. Um, And it has this insane wide-angle camera on it that Mm -hmm. you can Yes, you can just like
2: like uh, see, I don't know how I demonstrate this. I'm going to I'm gonna to go
1: to the normal. I'm gonna to go to wait, oh, is that the wide oh yeah, this is no this, wait, give me one second. that's that's like the normal camera and you can switch to wide angle. Whoa. You can get like you can get a lot I mean, the, it's there. like it's like right up to my face. And so if you, if you <laughs> just sort of hold it um like down low you can basically get everything wow so i I just like because then it's also like i threw it on the counter like i actually think this is a like a brilliant strategy because you just have your phone casually it's recording like when you're in the checkout you just throw it on the counter and then you can get the audio or sort of like you know obscured video of of what you're doing i mean it's weird to film people but you know it's
0: no, that's brilliant because I'm sitting there watching this video thinking, how did he do this? Because I did a video about two years ago now where I attached, um, I wanted to do a shot where I walked around a grocery store with a camera on my forehead. I'm like, i yeah. do like, I don't know how to do this without looking like a creep. Yeah. It draws well,
1: a ton of attention. So like you could, just, you could just stick a phone in your pocket. I could like, just hold it.
0: and, and, and You could just hold was, it too. I was yeah. like looking at my phone. Yeah, well, let me tell you what I did, because it was really horrifying and, and creepy. And I subsequently just kind of sprinted through the store uh, <laughs> before anybody knew what was going on. So I got I had a, I got a GoPro. I got the head strap. So I, so I'm like wearing the GoPro like a hat. Then I got like a really large. Like beanie, like knit cap. <laughs> And I cut a hole (laughs) around the lens of the GoPro, like in my forehead and then like put my, put the hat down like this. So, but it was really obvious. Like there's like a GoPro sticking out. (laughs) It was like this episode of the Simpsons where like Homer is trying to uh, spy on Apu or something. He's wearing like an oversized cowboy hat that has a camera sticking out of it. That was essentially... Uh, my solution 2 years ago so <laughs> i it remember so me of distinctly
2: the... you telling me about about that setup and you're describing the thing and i'm like part of me wants to call the police and then the other part of me just realized why some people argue it, it against gender neutral reminds <laughs> me
1: it reminds me of this thing that i made oh, the, <laughs> the squirrel uh, yeah. car right we just like you cut a big hole in it like that, and you're just walking around. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Just a big hole right in my center of my forehead with a lens sticking out of it. And I just like sprinted through the supermarket and so, so quickly that, like if anybody had seen it, I was already gone.
1: <laughs> Wait, why, gone. why did you, what were you doing with the footage? What did you need it for?
0: Oh, um, is that
2: the lambrains thing?
0: No, 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 no. I made this video called Where Am I? And it was just kind of this idea that I had where I don't know how to describe it other than I wanted to make sort of a pseudo poetic, I guess, video about like consciousness and like where you are in your head, like who, like where you are, like your consciousness, your thoughts, like where they exist.
2: So this is giving the bird's eye view. Why why didn't you bring a camera into the store? Why
0: didn't I bring a camera into the store?
2: Why don't
1: you just like carry the GoPro by hand into the store?
0: Well, cause I wanted it to be like, the whole point was that it was like seeing out through my eyes. So yeah. Because even if
1: you, even if you wore like a head strap, what are they going to do? Shoot you?
0: <laughs> well, I did. I just covered it in uh, uh, a beanie. and cut a oh, hole Cause, cause it. it's
1: like, cause it's embarrassing.
0: Well, cause I think somebody definitely, definitely would have stopped me like right away.
1: They never stop you. Really? Yeah.
0: Nobody ever says anything? No one says anything.
1: Like very rarely. Like we were we were in a target with like a big camera filming for the you've seen the, the swearing Roomba. Mm-hmm. And all they did was just give us really dirty looks.
0: The employees or customers or both?
1: Yeah, I think it was the man I think it was the manager. I mean the customers didn't care.
2: With uh with the microwave though, I know oh, that, they kicked us out. Yeah, yeah. Michael kicked the yeah. That, well, they came, we were like, they we were like setting up. We were like setting up shop in front of their store, and it, and it also looked like an explosive device. Yes, yes. I think that was part of
0: the problem too.
2: Yes. Wait. That so, mic-
0: for those unfamiliar, why don't why don't you explain a little bit more about that's Oops, that video? My... <laughs> <laughs> <With> the, <laughs> the microwaves.
1: Oh, the microwave. So we wanted to. Uh, um... Uh, you know, you make a thing that you cook food with by screaming at it, and then you got to have people use it. And so it's like, where do you find
0: people? I don't know, Target.
1: <laughs> Target, and we set it up in front of Target, and then they kicked us out of Target.
0: Yes, but let's start back at you make a thing that cooks food by screaming at it. Yes. Why? Where did that, where did that come from? Just um, to, just... I think this
1: was a suggestion for Michael. I think someone suggested it to him. That
2: came out of his comments, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, so this segues into one of my favorite parts of VidCon, which was yeah. watching you guys zip around with this device. So The, the wheelchair? Yeah, you do, you do the panel, which, go watch the video on this because you'll get to see uh, the, the whole room in action activating this microwave um, at VidCon. But after that, you've got... You've got the microwave, which, again, has all these wires and and things coming out of the top. I don't even know how you got it past VidCon security in the first place. Okay, so
1: there's... uh, I feel like I'm... uh, Yeah, why not? Okay. (laughs) If you can get it into the uh, the shuttle, Mm -hmm. that's it.
2: Oh.
1: I mean, honestly, no one says anything. Like, no one gives a crap. Especially... The yellow badge, like they just, you know, everyone, like half the security that's working there, it's their first day. I mean, so any event, like they just they hire people. Like nobody knows all the rules.
2: And I think there's an implicit trust too, that if somebody is given full access, whatever they've got has a purpose and they can right. be trusted. So, um, right, yeah. So it's big, it's heavy because it's a microwave. Oh, I it think actually big. Michael brought it in a cardboard box because we were worried. About it, it was in a cardboard box. At yes. the point I saw it, it was yeah. after you guys had done it. So the top of the box was open and you were hauling this in a little trailer attached to an a electric wheelchair. wheelchair. Yeah. But, but wait, there's more that isn't a normal electric wheelchair because you've got a remote control that controls that wheelchair.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was okay. So that, I think I spent on that whole project, like it's a really, it's a, it's a, a really robust motor driver that, um, The the BattleBots guy, Charles, makes called RageBridge. It's way overkill for this, but it's really easy to use. It's really robust. And it's like like 200 bucks. The wheelchair I paid like 150 bucks for. I think that whole chair cost me like $350. And I've used it for so much stuff. And it just like keeps on going and going and going. Like it's indestructible.
2: (laughs) Well, we were in front of uh, one of the lounges that oddly full access didn't have access to. Um, yeah, you know the one that took the the black band.
0: That was the YouTube. Yes, lounge. Yeah. the YouTube
1: lounge.
2: Yeah, you had they that. Were,
1: I, I didn't. They sucked. I was like, I tried to get like that was stupid. I complained to them about that, and the woman was like, "Well, I I set this up, anyways." I feel like I'm whining about some. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, what happens is uh, you and uh, Michael was there, and Idubs was there, and and you're zipping this thing around. Your yeah. care, your caretaker is riding in the chair. Yeah, and. There were maybe, like, three security that were at the front of this lounge thing.
1: I think it was iDev where we just trained into it where it's, like, he didn't have a band.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... it's,
1: so like, I had a band. He didn't have a band, which is stupid.
2: Like, well, oh, don't that, go in, but hang out in front of him.
1: Yeah, and nobody... They just looked at us. They didn't know what to do because I was sitting in the front of the wheel, like, in the chair of the wheelchair, and he was sitting in, the like, the little bike kitty trailer behind it. <laughs> I mean, like, what are they going to do? Like, they're, like, we I think we broke them. <laughs> well...
2: You're zipping this thing around and just, it, it's a big area there too. Uh, it's probably like 60 feet wide. The hallway is at that point. And it goes yeah. as far as you can see both ways. So there's a yeah. big runway. It was between panels. So it was pretty empty and you're just touring around, you know, you're looking down at the uh-huh. thing and it's zipping all the way around. Sometimes it gets close to the security. Sometimes it doesn't, <laughs> you know, it kind of gets close to some other people. Uh, and I start to notice that, that security appears. Like, all of a sudden, there are like four or five guys, and they're just standing there. And then a few minutes later, like six or seven. And at a certain point, you know, I'm, sta- I'm standing next to dubs, and I'm like, yeah, there are like a dozen security guys here. <laughs> and when we got here, there were three. <laughs> but you hadn't technically done anything wrong. So, so how did it
1: end? No. They, nothing. No one ever nothing said anything happened? to us. No, I think they were probably just bored. If I had to guess, yeah, they but were they just were, watching. They were. They, they were, were just waiting. watching.
0: But, but to contextualize this a little bit for those who haven't gone to VidCon, let me explain that nobody brings anything into VidCon. You don't bring so much as a backpack or a purse. I remember seeing a couple of people <laughs> with with like cats and dogs. And the reason that they were allowed to have cats and dogs is those cats and dogs were famous. <laughs> I swear. Like those,
2: they had channels?
0: They had like Instagram followings of like a yeah. million followers, right? They were like famous cats and dogs. Did so you see you what had, we brought
1: last year? It's even worse.
0: No, what was that?
1: Oh, A wheel t- or a, a shopping cart, electric shopping or electrified shopping. <laughs> Into motorized VidCon? Shop- yeah, we had a motorized shopping <laughs> cart in the VidCon convention hall. How did we not see this? And how did you get that in? The same way we had, they had to like seats down in the shuttle. Like we're like, oh, we got to get this to a panel, and they just like they folded all the seats down in a shuttle.
0: (laughs) They're like bending over backwards to accommodate your ridiculous ideas.
1: Yeah, and then Hank Green drove it and smashed himself in the nuts on accident.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was awesome to see uh, you driving this thing around as if nobody was was there. The way I imagine, like a kid goes to a public park to, like, fly a kite. It doesn't, you know, by default, like, nobody should be around, so it's not going to get tangled, whatever. It was, like, that level of isolation with you. And then your caretaker was, like, on the phone, having conversations, not knowing what direction this chair is going to go because it's being controlled remotely. And it, it was, like, everybody is having the most normal day in the world. And security was just puzzled. They were so they were so intent on watching because they didn't know what was going on. Maybe something weird's going to happen, but probably not. Everybody's behaving. It was just the, the best yeah. confusion I've ever seen in my life. Yeah.:
0: <laughs> How much more of that happens now that you're living with uh, Michael Reeves, who is, if anyone's unfamiliar with him, also has a YouTube channel where he builds things <laughs> he builds things that you're just going to have to kind of investigate think, on your own <laughs> but does that amplify uh your own creations does it amplify his creations living with you what is that dynamic like
1: yeah it uh i mean there's a lot of like feedback where we'll use each other for the like the application portion where it's like okay what does this thing do let's test it out Um, And you kind of get this like feedback loop where it's like you see him do something and then like I'll do something and then like it's just like back and forth. Like he used some of the uh, software I had written for the fly killing machine and uh, for the the salad or the machine that removes tomatoes from salads. And so it's like there's a lot of sort of crossover that you wouldn't see. Uh, But, you know, it's just chaos in general.
0: Is there any specific story to illustrate that chaos that you're willing to share or...
1: I think maybe the best one is the, uh, uh, the taser carpet where we electrified the carpet because it was sort of, it was inspired by like an actual problem, which was Michael running around stomping on the floor that was like keeping me up at night because his sleep schedule is really bad, like European time bad. Like he's living in Europe, but, you know, physically in the United States. Is there and, a reason
2: for that? Or is he just one of those guys that has I don't, I don't that kind know. of schedule?
1: He just is on that schedule and he just like, he works better at night, and so he just, you know, ends up working at night, and then he literally goes to bed at 10 a.m., and then wakes up at, like, 6 p.m., uh, and so stomping around was, like, an pro- actual problem, and so that was kind of inspired by that. I mean, you know, the reality of it is, you know, like, we settle problems, like, real people, too. The video kind of was just, like, inspired by it, because it was like, that was an idea. Like, what if I electrify the carpet? Like, that's where the idea came from. <laughs> <laughs> Boy,
2: I- I, since we're on this already, I, I'm pulling out my phone and doing this because I wanted to relay the question exactly right, uh, which is how chaotic is it living with Michael Reeves and how often are you injured by his schemes?
1: <laughs> um, on it, like I I probably see him like an hour a day because he like his schedule barely crossovers and he just like locks himself in his room. Um so honestly, not very much.
0: Well, we're gonna have to get him on the show and then ask yeah, him you, the same. You want to record
1: about... at, like six,
2: yeah, like, like four in the morning.
0: Four in the morning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we need to make sure that the stories match up.
0: That's what I was gonna get at. It's not yeah. that we
2: don't trust you. Yeah, we just we need. It's it's more like a trust but verify situation. Right, right, right.
0: Just want to make sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, watching. Uh, Michael, in that same wheelchair microwave thing, was doubly weird because at some point he disappeared for like half an hour he was just gone how do you How do you leave people with this thing that looks like a bomb and don't yeah. tell anybody where you're going
1: and make it my problem? yeah, he's got a squirrel brain, the brain of a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what are your, uh, you know, what are your future plans long-term for, for the channel? And, uh, one of the things that, uh, I know that we have a mutual interest in talking about and developing is, is t-shirts before, oh, yeah. we, before we started recording this episode, we were talking a little bit about merch and, and t-shirts and kind of the, the process there, which I mean, Matt, you've outlined it before. If you want to do it quickly and easily, you can. There are a million ways to do it quickly and easily. If you want to do it um, in a way that's more premium and tailored, I guess, to maybe your brand's expectations.
2: Yeah, customized to to a level of, it's just beyond like slapping something on it. It gets hard fast. It gets
0: hard, really. It becomes prohibitive. You have, you have
2: to, like, ride someone. So
1: you have to, like, you know, even if you send it to a company, you still have to, like, be on top of it. And once they print the shirts, like, that's it. And they don't give you one. It's not like you can get one made. I mean, you can, but you're, it's expensive. <laughs> so it's, like, yeah. I think I spent, like, with the, the... Have you seen our Breadcat shirts? Yeah. The Inbred Cat. So that's, like a horrible, horrible design because it's like a colored, like a, you know, basically like a, like an image and tried early on to like vectorize it. We tried we're like, you know, how can we make this shirt like easy to print, like a screen printing process by simplifying the colors or, you know, so you don't have to do like dithering because when you do dithering or too much dithering, it just starts to look like grainy, like not a good look. And that's what like digital printing does. So if you see some of the like digital printed stuff, you get like a just a gross, like coarseness to it. And uh, I think I spent like over $2,000. I mean, it was like stupid trying to get this shirt printed. I printed it at three different places. The first one did okay, but the design was really thick. The second place, they're like, oh, we can make it thinner than that. But the t-shirt just like turned out like total shit. Uh, I'm still kind of salty about that because the shirts were actually bad. I kind of, I should have probably, but what do you do? You say, oh, here, this $800 worth of merchandise or it's like trash. Like you got to redo it for me. Like, I don't understand. Like, what do you do? that's a, like you know when you do a whole run like that's a lot and uh the third time we did it was um through the company that DFTBA uses and they did a pretty good job it's not perfect but it's it's the best i think of the uh, three and it's frustrating because like it's still it's like i'm still like not quite happy with it but i don't know if it can get any better unless I talk to someone who really knows what they're
0: doing. Well, that's what I was wondering. What's the next step then? You've gone through this process. You're not happy with it after three tries. What would you do next time?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm, I am happy with it, but what I want to do is explore sort of like other processes for making. So like there are digital printers of direct garment printers that do a good job, but the problem is like, nobody tells you what printer they have. And so you'd have to call and ask like, what printer do you have? Like, do you have, can you show me pictures of some of the recent prints? Because If you don't, if you don't know what printer they have or what their process looks like, like the direct-to-garment printing is wildly different. I mean, I, I think the first, the very, very, very first batch of those shirts that we got back, we did through like uh, custom ink, or the one with the squid logo, and the design was literally peeling off the shirt.
2: It's. I don't think people appreciate how many little details go into getting the merch that you want. Like you're talking about getting the printer if it's a a a direct-to-garment setup. Right. You got to know the details like what are you using? Sometimes you'll get kind of vaguish information on, on the shirt model that's, that's being printed mm-hmm. on, and it'll tell you something like tri-blend. But, you know, maybe this company makes two, and one of them is 4.2 ounces in weight, and the other is 3.7. And that doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you have them in your hand, they feel different, and maybe you right. like one and don't like another. So right. there are like 15 different details that you have to follow up there's not a lot of standardization from place to place. So you never know. You got to run down the checklist each time. It's like doing right. blood work, uh, like at the doctor, uh, like yeah. annual blood work on each
1: printer. It's not. I mean, if you do it, if you do it online, it's even worse. If you use like a service like Teespring or something, if you do a single bag, it will probably come out fine depending on what you're printing. But if you're doing something that's direct to garment, like you'll probably do different things one time as opposed to the, like the next, because they're, they're contracting with like different, uh you know, print shop. You might and, get one here and then one over here and one here and they all have different printers.
0: And I would love to know and maybe, you know, in the, in the Discord or in the comments to this video, some people will chime in with their experience but I would love to hear from the audience on this. Like, is it something that like we are being hyper-precious and paranoid about? <laughs> like, making the best thing? Do people care? Like, that's really what I, I would love to crowdsource opinions on shirts. Cause I really care. Like if I have a shirt that's really soft, that isn't cracked after the first time it goes through the wash, I'm really happy with that. Um, If I get a shirt that when I open up the bag and it smells like vinegar, here's like, what is that? That's a printing
1: printing process. Like there's, that's like an on-demand printing process. But like, this is my thought is if, if somebody buys merch, you want it to be a quality where they would buy it again. That's a decent standard.
2: That number one, you're happy with that purchase. And number two, the next time there's something that comes out, that person would want to buy right. it. Yeah.
1: And I, and I feel like that's what, you know, Ela uh, does really well with Teddy Fresh. Is it's just like, it's, you know, like it's going to be good. Like, th- I mean, this print is awesome. I have, a, I have a, a handful of their stuff. Like it just, it feels like a legitimate brand of clothes. It doesn't feel like something that, was just ejected out some like mass print shop that automates everything like it, it feels like someone cared about this and i think that's the goal is, like make it feel like you cared about the thing that was made you know the, like, the quality is up to par with like what makes you happy because otherwise you're, you're devaluing like you're, you're making you know it just i mean it's kind of it sounds stupid but if somebody spends 25 bucks on a shirt and they feel like wow like the design is peeling off or it cracked immediately like I don't know if that was worth
0: 25 bucks. Plus shipping. It ends up being 30 bucks. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Plus shipping. And I've seen, like, there's a lot
2: of shirts that are probably with shipping over 30, like 32, 33, 35 bucks. Like, you know. I think that's especially important too, for people who are on YouTube, because you, there's a different relationship uh, with, with the person buying it. Like you actually right. have a relationship with, with that member of your audience right? Uh, in a way that. I don't have a, a relationship with TJ Maxx. If I buy a shirt off the rack, mm-hmm. like if that shirt goes sour, you know, I wash it a couple times and it peels. Like I'm disappointed, but I don't feel like like TJ Maxx like is out to fleece me. I'm just like, oh, right. that one was a bummer. But if somebody sells uh, merch that doesn't hold up or it disappoints or something like that, like you do feel like, well, hey, great, William just made nine bucks off me. And I've got something that that I hate, you know, like I don't think that YouTubers can afford to do that the no, way other people can. I don't think so. And
0: you, I think of band band merch because I buy a lot of uh, uh, my wife and I go to, to a lot of metal shows. We always want to leave with something just to remember the show by. So I got this hat recently. My wife got a shirt and there are a lot of metal bands that do this really, really well. Ah, uh, Gojira. All the Gojira shirts that I have are awesome shirts. Uh, Behemoth is another band that everything that they make is so high quality that I feel like like DMing them and being like, "How yeah. are you doing this so well? Like, how are you guys making these like really slim fit, uh, light, nice material, but like really uh, durable, nice prints?" Uh, because I haven't seen YouTubers been able, like, we don't have access to that, and I don't know.
1: Yeah, you just you gotta find a place that you know, like, cares. Like, I know, I, I was talking to to Ian Idubs about some of his merch, and he's he's sort of had like some wildly drastic experiences because of you know he, he's just a significantly bigger um, channel, but. He worked with a shop in Los Angeles that I think did a really good job where they were like working with him to make sure it came out. And and I think like there's some uh, some discharge prints where they have a special ink that like bleaches and then re-dyes all in the same step. And it's like, you know, if you have someone who does all these things, who like runs the shop, who does a good job, who wants to make the customers happy... um, like they're going to help you with this. And I think it's all that you need to do is you need to find the right place to do it. And like what I've experienced or what I've seen, not, not from my own merch, but from other people's is if you go with one of the like merch companies that a lot of YouTubers do, they don't care. They don't care. And unless you're making them a ton of money, they really
2: like, I, there's just, it's sad. (laughs) Well, if you think about two, the numbers that have to happen for a company to care. Like, right. It sucks that they don't, but at the same time, the margins on, on shirts that aren't selling in tremendous volume is really low. So let's say, you know, they could be, uh, if you moved a hundred shirts with a certain place, that might be like $300 of profit to them. And they, they're going to give you that level of attention because they honestly can't afford to go too much more than that. Right. You know, so, but so they I think, you know, like,
1: de- depending on who they're working with, like a lot of people are growing too. Like they're going to, you know, they'll be bigger one day. They'll be able to sell more merchandise. Um, like you, you probably want to,
2: I don't know. I, it's, <sighs> you'd think that somebody would jump in and say, yeah, sure, yeah. it's 50 shirts today. Uh, yeah. But in three months, it's going to be 100. And in six, it's going to be 250. And in a year, it's going to be 500. And so I want to invest in you, build Correct. a relationship with you that'll pay off down the line. I mean, that's, that's
1: a risk too, though. Like, I mean, like, like a lot of the stuff with YouTube, everything is a second job. Like everything becomes its own like burden where like, cool, you got to make the videos. You got to like, you know, produce the videos and edit the videos. And, oh, now I want to do, I got to do my taxes. Like, oh, that's another thing I got to figure out how to do. I want to do this. I got to figure out how to do that. I want an LLC. I got to figure out how to do that. Like, and then it's like, oh, merchandise. That's a whole job. I mean, look at Teddy Fresh. Like that's like, that's what they're doing. Like there's a team of people that work on this stuff full time. Well, I don't, I mean, I, I know very little about it, but like there's a lot of people who care about it and are like constantly working on it. If you're trying to do like just, you know, like the basic merch where you slap a logo on it and ship it out, like it's very difficult to get to that high quality unless you're spending a ton of time. On it. Yeah, It's like a very difficult problem to solve. And if you're not spending a ton of time on it, then you have to hand, you know, if you let a company do it, then it's it's just like their, you know, their motivations are elsewhere, unless you're like huge where they can put a punch you know, a bunch of time into like, Doing it because you know even if a if a merch company puts a ton of time into developing like a merch line for you, then you don't push it hard enough. Like oh, I promoted it once or twice. Like then it's it's just it's like it's such a complicated thing where it it depends on everything. Like you need to be doing a good job content wise to promote the merchandise. If you're gonna put a ton of time and energy into developing the merchandise, like it just it's tough.
2: I'm so glad that you went down and that we went through. All of these little details about just a T-shirt, too. So, by the way, this is a completely different game if you're looking at making something other than a T-shirt. Like, this is one single piece of merchandise. If, you, if you're looking at something else, then all of a sudden maybe you're not dealing with inks and, and fabric anymore. Right. Um, maybe you're dealing with, uh, you know, I don't know, just anything that isn't hats clothing. Hats and embroidery. Well, exactly. And Even when you go to hats, you hoodies. know what that's like. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to have a few cool things, you have a lot to figure out. And any type of item, like product like this, that is such a thin slice of the overall stuff that you do as a YouTuber. And that right, yeah. one right. little thin slice is like endlessly complex. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and uh, as we talk to more people, like the one thing that I really want out of kind of somebody listening to the podcast for... Uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight episodes is to develop an appreciation for the sheer amount of stuff that has to get done, has to get done right, and hopefully has to get done at like an exceptional level that will make viewers really happy, whether it's buying another thing or watching every one of your videos. This is yep. insanely complex. It never stops. It never will. It will stop when that final egg drop happens. Yeah. yeah that's the only time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot, there's so many things. Like it's, it's, it's multiple hats, multiple businesses. You're, yeah, we, you know, we've talked to people about how they did merch and how they, you know, bought like direct to garment printers. And then it was like, okay, how do we ship it? So then they started paying for, you know, fulfillment center stuff. And then it's like, okay, like at what point is it worth it to have the fulfillment done internally where we rent a warehouse? And like, yeah, okay, you want to rent a warehouse? You want to hire someone to manage the warehouse? Like that's, this is a whole company, this is a company. This whole thing, like this, is full time jobs. You know, like it it just starts, like it starts getting insane. I'm getting blasted by the sun right
0: now. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just the heavens shining down. When you're talking about merch, Um, maybe
2: it's maybe it's it's
0: Michael with a
2: an 80 watt laser. He just woke up. (laughs) He just woke (laughs)
0: up, and he's blasting you with the laser beam. He woke up
1: earlier today than I thought he would have. I don't know if he went to bed early
0: well one of these days matt and i will stay up until three o'clock in the morning and we'll interview him too <laughs> but yeah we have we have some questions from our discord yeah that, um they would they would love to to answer or love for you to answer and we're going to do that on the other side of our wormhole so uh we're going to go through that wormhole but first let's what are we going to be uh asking you we are going through, uh, when ba- tell me
1: when we're going through the wormhole
0: uh, I'll let you know. Well, okay. you'll feel it. You you you'll will feel, feel, it. feel it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> you will. Yeah. Exactly. You'll reatomize on the other side. Uh, base wants to know your secret to keeping Chelsea around. Uh, he is getting married in a little <sighs> over a month. Flex,
1: flex glue. Well,
0: wait. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't away now. Yeah. Don't answer yet. We'll scrub the. Oh, flex definitely glue not answer. flex glue. Then definitely not flex glue. Flex tape though
2: but he is he is getting married in about a month, I think is that right yeah, and yeah he sounds and so like
0: he's a little worried
2: about he, he wants to he wants to keep his significant other around
0: uh, and and for the rest of his life. I think that's the point that's of, right. of yeah. getting married and so he's yeah. looking to you for guidance yeah, so he which, wants some advice, yep. some relationship advice from you on that, and also Jesse wants to know about uh getting any pressure or feelings or you know snide remarks from friends and family for not using your degree in the way that perhaps they expected you to at this point in your life. So yeah, we're gonna to get to those questions on the other side of the wormhole. That wormhole exists at Patreon.com. Uh, I, knew I knew that was coming. Unknown. I see That's how
1: it is. <laughs> there you it is. You tease people and then you force money out of them to get the answers. Well, <laughs> the answers are very good and very interesting, and you should definitely pay these. Guys money to
0: get <laughs> thank you so much william, for that endorsement there's uh, no
2: stronger endorsement is there <laughs> no and we don't
0: force anybody to do anything let's get let's get that clear we just uh you know would like to persuade those interested in hearing more to join our community have you tried because, threatening
2: them threatening I them there's an there's an implied threat all the time yeah um but we haven't had to thankfully we haven't had to Deliver on that threat yet? Okay. Um, but like the members of the baby gang, uh, uh, we can't guarantee that the baby that they get won't hurt them if right. <laughs> if they stray from the path of righteousness. Right. That our yes. that
0: our organization has set them on. It could mm-hmm. be a choking hazard at the very least if they try to like maybe the baby falls into like their cereal one morning and and they un unbeknownst to them just start just. <laughs> Choking to death on a plastic (laughs) baby. Look, we need to stop this. If you're in the
2: baby gang, don't put it in your
0: mouth. We're going to go over to Patreon. Uh, Join us over there if you'd like. If not, that's okay. We hope you enjoyed listening to the great William Osmond. Make sure that you subscribe to him, but only if you love great videos.
2: And we'll put a few in the description as well. Like any of the videos that we referenced on this, uh, from making a carpet that shocks Michael Reeves to, uh, the egg drop videos and some of the others, like we'll put them yeah. all down there. So you can go through that little playlist if you need that familiarity.
0: Yeah, I just, it's, it's so easy to endorse uh, your videos because I cannot imagine sending anyone one of your videos and then being like, nah. Yeah, no more of this guy. Not interested in this. Yeah. Like, what? Are you alive? Because <laughs> I think those are the qualifications for enjoying William Osmond videos. All right, we're going over there. See you, Space Cowboys. now
1: it's wormhole time now? Yes. Whoa! The effects are crazy. You guys do effects in this part?
0: Hey, thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. To unlock the extended ad-free full episode, sign up at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. There's more episode waiting for you, but to keep listening, sign up at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You can hear the rest of our conversation as well as unlock the ad-free feed, get exclusive content, join the idea baby gang, and more. So find us, and yourself, over at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. If you liked what you heard, and I certainly hope that you did, please subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And leave us a review on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really go a long way. While you're at it, you can also watch the video version of this show on youtube.com slash thecreateunknown. Check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You can get the full episode. You can join the Idea Baby Gang, become one of the known, access creator services. There's a lot going on on our Patreon. It's all part of phase three of TCU. So go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Follow us on social media. We tweet at CreateUnknown. We're on Facebook and Instagram at The create Unknown. You can follow me, Matt, and the show on Podchaser for podcast updates. You can also find a link to our Discord in the show notes. We love our Discord because we get to talk to you and you get to talk to us. So join our Discord. Our website is thecreateunknown.com. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. We've been your hosts, Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor. Check out what we do on YouTube at Vsauce2 and on Twitter at Kev Lieb and Tabor TCU. Links in the show notes. Executive producer is Dave Kiney. This episode was edited by Adam Ganong. Our theme song is by the incredible Mega Drive. Special thanks to Paula Lieber, Mo Lewitt, and Dorothy Kiney. Until next time... See you, Space Cowboys. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. It's like an elephant for your ears. That makes no sense.